You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway. At the age of 15, my guest today originated the role of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz at Madison Square Garden, as well as on the national tour, performing alongside legends Mickey Rooney and Eartha Kitt. She played the role of Polly in the national tour of The Boyfriend, directed by Julie Andrews. And on Broadway, she's appeared in A Little Night Music with Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch, in Sunday in the Park with George, as Miss Dorothy in Thoroughly Modern Millie, and as Eponine in Les Miserables. Please welcome Jessica Grove. Hello. <laughs> I had to leave out like 900 of your credits. Otherwise, we would have spent the entire day doing that. Um, You're very kind. <laughs> no, but it's true. You've done so many things. All right. we want. I want to go back. We're going to really break down this Wizard of Oz experience, of course, and talk about all the Broadway shows. But I want to go back to the beginning. Tell me, you're from Ohio. Tell me what little Jessica Grove was doing around the house that made her parents be like, this kid is a star. Oh, my gosh. Well, so I grew up. In Columbus, um, well, a suburb of Columbus, Hilliard, Ohio. And my parents liked to do shows, like community theater shows. So we all kind of did some theater together growing up. When I was three, we were all in a summer production of The Music Man. I was um, going to say it has to be The Music Man. Like, it was. Yeah. I was, uh, my brother and I were in the youth, you know, trouble, trouble. <laughs> and um, my mom was a pick a little, talk a little lady, if that's even what they're called. Yeah, and exactly. my dad was in the quartet. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, and then like five years later, or maybe six, five or six years later, we did it again at that same, um, it was called Actors Summer Theater. It was in Schiller Park in German Village in Columbus. And uh, I played Amaryllis that time. And my brother was also in it again. And um, my dad... Same thing, you know, they played the same roles. So we definitely like were a theatrical family. People are like, Are you Ohio State fan or a Michigan fan? I'm like, I I mean, I we don't <laughs> I'm a music man fan. <laughs> so um yeah, so I did a lot there. Um, but definitely around the house, I was finding any broom that I could and singing Castle on a Cloud along to the um, cassette tape of Les Miserables. 
We all did that. <laughs> yes. And then I also had like a you sing Disney cassette tape. Yes. Um, and I was always singing part of your world. And like my biggest hope was that like the mailman or, you know, delivery guy was um, like a talent scout. <laughs> that they I were going to hear you through the window and be like, mm-hmm. get that girl to New York. Yeah. They were going to come steal me away and make me a star. But so were you doing like you were doing like community theater and you kept doing that. And like, was there a children's theater that you were working at? Yeah, several actually. Um, there was one called Columbus Junior Theater. They're still around, but now they're called Columbus Children's Theater, CCT. Um, that was the place where I think I learned the most how to be a professional because they really treated the kids, no matter how old you were, like you were in a professional rehearsal process. Um, and you know, they, it wasn't all kids shows. I mean, it was all shows geared towards families, but it wasn't just kids putting on shows. It wasn't just youth productions. It was, um, you know, we did Oliver and I played bet. (laughs) Yes. But it was an adult Nancy and an adult you know, Bill Sykes. And is stuff. that where you did Wizard of Oz before the Wizard of Oz? It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Do you know everything? I do. I do a little research so I don't sound like a complete <laughs> idiot on this thing, but um, good idea. tell me about that Wizard of Oz before the big Wizard of Oz, <laughs> before it totally took over your life. Yeah. So um, that, I mean, even just the audition process for that was so stressful. And I remember like being down to another girl who's also an Jessica, Jessica Graff and me. And, um, she was a couple years younger. And I think, you know, ultimately they were just like, Oh, she, she's a little older. She can probably handle this. So I got that part and, um, over the rainbow was like in the key of like, it was like Sopranoville. It was not in the key of C. Like I ended up doing it and it had that song evening star, Evening star, sentimentally oh, yeah. star, but it did also have the jitterbug in it. I think. Okay. Anyway, well, I there's like not 900 licensable versions of the Wizard of Oz movie, but that are all little, fun. all a little different. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember our director, um, our Wicked Witch, got sick or maybe had to miss a show or two, and our director, Bill Goldsmith just dressed up as the witch and went on and he was fantastic. Sounds like a team player. Yeah. Um, when did the Madison Square Garden Wizard of Oz enter your sphere? Like, was there a big audition notice? Tell me how that process started. Okay. So this is a slightly long story, but I'll try to make it quick. No, I'm very, um, this is why I want, I want to know the story. Okay. So when Whistle Down the Wind was auditioning um, for Swallow, I think the girl's name was in the, yeah. the show. Uh, I had met with Nancy Carson when I was maybe 10. And um, she was like, oh, you know, get back to me when you're older or something. <laughs> I was a big 10. So I had auditioned for The Secret Garden when I was 10. And they were like, she's just a little too mature. <laughs> right. And then um, that was like my dream. Oh, my gosh. I saw yeah. that show so many times. But I digress. Um, and so, uh, sorry, get me back on track here. Okay, so Nancy Carson, you meet with Thank Nancy you. Did you meet Nancy because you were, uh, did she see something you were doing? Like, how did how did you start working professionally, even at 10? Where did that come in? You know, I don't even remember 
how we ended up meeting with Nancy Carson. We also met with Abrams. Um, we had a friend from Columbus who I had done like opera chorus with and his, he and his mom moved to New York and his mom was more of a stage mom okay. and kept my mom in the loop and always called my mom when there was something that she thought I would be right for. <laughs> so like when I was 11, we flew to New York and I auditioned for, um, well, first we sent in a VHS videotape of me for the Manhattan School of Music. They were doing an opera, The Turn of the Screw. So um, I ended up getting called back and flew to New York for that and got it. So I did. <laughs> so things were like happening, like you were kind of doing the the faraway kid New York City thing yeah. uh, for a while. So was Wizard of Oz, did someone get you an appointment? Because Nancy, pa- Nancy passed. Nancy passed. But then my, okay, so this mother in um, New York called my mom about Whistle Down the Wind. And so my mom called um, the casting directors to set a casting. They were casting that. My mom called them and they were like, well, we can't just like put her in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Hal Prince, like, you know, never having seen her, <laughs> you need to send a video. Yeah. So we sent a video and they were like, great, come. So we flew to New York and I auditioned on the stage of Phantom of the Opera um, for Andrew Lloyd Webber and Hal Prince for this whistle down the wind. And I got off the stage. I was 14. I got off the stage and um, David Katie came up to me and my mom and was like, is is she working? Have you had any meetings with agents? And um, we said, yeah, it's Nancy Carson. And he's like, I'm calling Nancy. So he called Nancy, got us an appointment, another appointment with her. And uh, and then the first audition that she sent me on was Wizard of Oz. Well, it's a good thing you booked it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't book Whistle Down the Wind. It's fine. You never came into Broadway. So it- right. Yes. Good I think point. supposed to tour and come in and then I think yeah. it's a tour and then closed. <laughs> Actually, we saw it in Washington, D.C. It, it was it. confusing. All it right. Confusing. But Irene Malloy was great. I'm sure. Tell me about uh, booking Wizard of Oz and that audition process. Okay. So that was like an agent appointment call. And in fact, Irene Malloy was at the same, like her appointment time must have been really near mine. And I was totally psyched out because I like this girl <laughs> done this on the wind and I hadn't gotten it, but she was like 18 and I was 15. Yeah. And, um, so I went in auditioned. They taught me the little yellow brick road skip. I, I had, um, coached with my high school drama teacher over the lines. Um, Mrs. Brenneman, she helped me with, the. Uh, with my audition. Thank you, Mrs. Brenneman. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mrs. Bre- this is my Tony Award speech that I'll never give. Thank you, Mrs. Brenneman. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so she helped me with that. Um, and my voice teacher at the time, Marjorie Stevens, I'll give her Marjorie a Stevens. Thank you. <laughs> she also helped prep me um, for the singing. And I left and I felt really good about it. And they were very nice. And I left the audition. And I told my mom who was in the waiting room, hey, it went really well. And she's like, let's go to Macy's. Let's celebrate before we get on our plane back to Ohio. So we went to Macy's. I don't know why shopping was our celebration. but um, And while we were there, we rode up the escalator and just stopped at the payphone because nobody had cell phones back yep. then in 1997. 
So um, we put in our quarter and called Nancy just to say, hey, it went well. And she's like, hold on. The producers are on the other line. <laughs> so she literally put us on hold on the payphone. It was like, um, came back and she's like, they want to see you right away. Get back there. The producers are there and they want to, they want to see you now. So I went right back and my callback was immediate basically. Um, and then a week later I was back in Ohio and I got the call and screamed and ran around the house and then cleaned my room. Cause that's, <laughs> I only clean when I'm really angry or really excited. About okay. Something. Now, was that offer Madison Square Garden and the national tour? Was it just Madison Square Garden? What was that initial offer? That first year was just Madison Square Garden. Um, I think, I don't know if they were just waiting to see how it did or if a tour was in the works, but we only found out about the tour sort of towards the end of the the run. So when did you know Roseanne was doing it? Because this is like the height of Roseanne. This is not like, you know, the, I think the series may have just ended at that point. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm trying to remember, Mark. I don't know if – I don't think we knew Roseanne was a, a part of it. Like when I auditioned, um, I'm not sure when she came on board. But I remember when they were talking about the tour, some of the names that were being thrown around, like Lily Tomlin and um, things like that. But um, Joanne Worley wound up doing most of that tour, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like Eartha was there for most of it. Eartha was there for the for the full first tour and maybe part of the second tour. And then they brought in Lilian Montevecchi, who oh, – I know uh, that is from like Zorba. Yes. <laughs> but she only lasted a few months because her French accent was so strong. People were complaining that they couldn't understand her. Okay. And – um there were a few times, like, she called me Jessica on stage instead of Dorothy. She was like, Jessica, my sweet Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to go, before we, we're getting on, we have to go back to Roseanne. Okay. All right. So we we know our life's about to change. We're going to come to New York and play Dorothy in this huge, probably the biggest production of Wizard of Oz that's ever been staged, um, certainly in the United States. And uh, you're, you're going to leave school and come, what was, what was like the plans that were starting to happen in your house? Oh my gosh. Happen? So I have an older brother. He's three years older. Um, so let's see. I was a freshman in high school and he was a senior. So my dad stayed home with him and the two boys just kind of did their thing. And my mom came to New York with me. We just relocated. And, you know, it was like we didn't know about the tour. So it was just this little four month, month five month four-month experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was nuts. Like the first day of rehearsal, Roseanne walks in and I think we rehearsed at 890 Broadway. It's funny. I've listened to your, uh, a few of your podcasts and 890 Broadway has come up in every single so one. Much. <laughs> <laughs> so for any of you who don't know what 890 Broadway is, it was a, um, a rehearsal studio way downtown. And, um, that's where every Broadway show rehearsed there. It was Michael Bennett's rehearsal studio that then became the space that everyone uh, used. I didn't realize that it was Michael Bennett's rehearsal studio. This is a learning podcast. We're just all learning <laughs> things. I got the order of your stars wrong. And all of that. Um, that like the elevator of that building, you know, had one of those sliding cage you know, doors. Yeah. It was, And you had to pull the lever to go up and down the elevator. I mean, it was like 
old school. It was so cool. Um, what do you remember about those first couple of days? I'm sure it was oh terrifying. It, it was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, in the room with Roseanne Barr, <laughs> you know, I had watched Roseanne quite a bit when I was a kid, even though it was kind of trashy. And, <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I liked it. Probably because it was trashy. <laughs> um. Yeah. That, I mean, that was hugely intimidating. Um, it also was like the circus. Like it must have felt like being on the road with the circus or do like with just because there's so many elements and such a huge cast and you had little people and not little kids, which is how the subsequent tours went out. And it just felt like a very animals. It just felt like a very big show. It was a very big show and a very, um, I would call it diverse cast, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. uh, I don't think I'd ever really seen a little person in my life before that. And then I'm surrounded by them and, you know, getting quite an education. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know there was a little peoples of America, you know, organization and that they, they had formed out of the wizard of Oz movie because yeah. they made like $50 a week or something insane. Oh <laughs> Do you know what's funny is I did the Maury Povich show <laughs> and it was a munchkin reunion. Okay. From the film of The Wizard of Oz. And so the surviving six munchkins who were alive uh, from the original motion picture were on Maury Povich. And then they brought me in to sing Over the Rainbow to them and have a little conversation. And Well, I just watched you on the Rosie O'Donnell show. If happy little bluebirds fly Beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? Excellent job! You can see both of them in the Wizard of Oz at the garden right now. First of all, you are stunning. You sound like a dream and you're so lovely. And Roseanne spends the entire interview talking about how unprofessional she is with you <laughs> on stage. So how much of that was true? How much of a nightmare was she or was she a dream and she was just playing a you know part on the Rosie show? It was a hundred percent true. Okay. She <laughs> she her whole goal was to try and make me laugh. Great. And, that sounds professional to me. Yeah. And with my training at Columbus Junior Theater, <laughs> I knew better. Great. <laughs> I was not about to break character. Uh, but there was like this whole war going on um, where she would like pull my pigtails and stuff. And like one time she actually slapped me and I went to stage management. I was like, she hit me. And they were like, we'll talk to her. <laughs> like she didn't realize that it's, you know. That she should probably do what someone has told her to do or stand where she's supposed yeah. to. <laughs> it's but, weird that we haven't seen Roseanne in more musicals. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and every night when she would melt, she would go under the stage, right? She would melt into the basement of Madison Square Garden and you'd hear her blender was going. Her dresser started up her uh, margaritas or whatever. And Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So 
Let's go to the first couple performances of this show. So we're at Madison Square Garden, which is like performing in a huge national tour house. Like it's like 5,000 seats. It's like if you're in the back, you might as well be in the parking lot of, you know, the hotel across the street. So uh, what was that experience like getting on stage there sort of in this huge show with this, the most enormous New York City audience? You know, it was very bizarre because um, most of my theatrical experiences had been in a much smaller arena, <laughs> you know, like a 200 seat black box theater. Right. So, um, it was kind of like performing into a vacuum and, you know, there were people walking around selling cotton candy and popcorn and like light up tornado things, wands and things throughout the whole show, which was only 90 minutes, with no intermission. So they had to like sell during yeah. the show to make their concessions money. Concession um, hustle. What'd you say? Concessions hustle. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, there were trees out in the lobby, people dressed as trees to get their picture taken with. So it was, like you said, the circus earlier. It, it was kind of like the circus. You know, it felt very... <laughs> felt very like Disney cruise or something. Yeah, and it's a surreal experience because you're still doing this beautiful show. I mean, the black and white uh, color in that production was really very special and they did a beautiful job with that. And, yeah. you know, it just, I, I remember, I have very clear memories of seeing it and being like, this is very good. It's just so far away. Yeah. Um, those so great sure, Barnes yeah. did those costumes. It was, it was really cool. What, um, tell me about that run and sort of how that sort of prepared you for them, the tour and, and getting ready to do that in a billion cities. So we did like 12 shows a week at the garden, <laughs> like four on five on Saturday, four on Sunday. And, and you did like, all 12. There wasn't like an alternate situation. Right? I didn't That's have an internet. You, I saw some video of you being like, you can catch me 12 shows a week. And I was like, 12 shows a week? Like, <laughs> my heart is bracing. <laughs> it was, I mean, talk about hard work. Like that, that really prepared me for a life in the theater because, <laughs> you know, 12 shows a week when you're 15 years old. Like, I just remember putting my feet in ice between shows, like uh, trying to take a nap between shows and, you know, all while being tutored and doing schooling and what have you. Um, and, you know, greeting people at the stage door between every show. Cause that's important. That's important to me. Um, and then like a lot of mail autograph requests and things. <laughs> so my mom would just like put stacks of headshots in front of me and I just signed them to whoever. And then she put them in the envelope and she was, she was really good about being like my personal assistant. Cause did that really, could that feel like your life? Like all of a sudden you went from this girl in Ohio to having stacks of autographs to sign. How surreal did that feel for you? I mean, it felt like everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's, it was you know, I I had dreams of being on Broadway from the time I was little, and this wasn't quite Broadway, but it was Broadway adjacent. It was yes, it was big, yeah. and you know, like they unveiled me at the Rainbow Room, and I walked down a staircase. Opening night at the Garden, like this was, I did this before Trump did this. I rode down an escalator <laughs> in my gown <laughs> on opening night. Um, 
Yeah. So um, it's so it's so cool. Um, tell, tell me about was Mickey Rooney. They did the tour. He wasn't in the New York or was he in the New York production? He was not in the New York production. It was Jerry Mickey. Um, and- so doing then when you did it on tour with Eartha and, and Mickey Rooney, what kind of advice would like Mickey, I mean, so strange to do it with Mickey Rooney and this Judy Garland connection. Were there things that he would say to you, be like, Judy would never, or Judy would say, or is this like, am I just imagining that? Um, I wouldn't say you're imagining it. I'm sure he probably thought lots of things, but <laughs> But he did every single night, he would watch my Over the Rainbow from the Wings. Oh, that's so sweet. And so I would I would say someplace where there isn't any trouble. Do you th- do you think there is such a place, Toto? Beyond the moon, beyond the rain. And he's stage left, like right there. He goes, Sing it pretty, sweetheart. <laughs> every single night. He didn't miss once. That's really uh, very sweet. It's very endearing. Yeah. And you know, he just like I could see him out of the corner of my eye, just kind of your audience can't see me. So I'm doing this face that they can't see, but you could just see him like kind of having these memories. And it was very sweet. You know, he was he was a very interesting old guy who had a lot of crazy experiences in his youth and was taken advantage of and gambled away all his money. And, you know, but he was a true professional. He was there every night. I'm sure that you've heard the story about the hot air balloon. No. Oh my God. No. Okay. So Turn up we volume, were... listeners. Here we go. <laughs> Turn up your volume. Here's a story. Um, I don't know where we were. I think we were at SUNY Purchase. Maybe. No, I don't know where we were. We were somewhere and it was a live audience and the balloon, the hot air balloon, as it's taking off, he leaned forward and the basket tipped forward and he's like there, thank goodness he was so tiny in stature because if if it had been like Bob Amaral, who was his understudy, who's like six feet tall, he probably would have toppled right out. But because the basket was like up to Mickey's chest, most of his body was inside the basket and he just held on and he's like, goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> like holding on parallel, like horizontally parallel to the stage. Um, and he got off and like, there's like green people in green unitards, like all the Emerald city people are all like rushing out with mats, like, uh, uh, like, you know, tumbling mats, gymnastic mats. I don't know where they got them, but they had them some off stage. So they like brought them out, put them underneath the hot air balloon. Everybody's like this, like we're going to catch a Mickey Rooney and save him from certain death. And, uh, but he um, he got off. They brought the balloon down. They were able to correct it, bring it down. And he said, thank God it's Sunday and thank God God was with me. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but he just kept going. You know the the um, the other story, right, about well, the lion? No, give me the story. <laughs> I don't know. I assume I know nothing. These are legend. Well, now you're going to know them. Okay. There was a night when it was, um, he's, he's just given out the awards and he's, uh, you know, about ready to leave. And he says, the scarecrow, the tin man. And, and he looks at Ken page and he looks him up and down, up and down, trying to figure out what he is. And he's like, and the bear shall rule in my stead. 
Oh, my, and, and you, of course, don't break because you're a professional. Um, I'm pretty sure I turned up stage in my shoulders. Oh. Like we were all, it was too good. And there was another one. Do we have time for one yeah, more? Yeah, do another one. <laughs> okay. So he's giving the tin man his heart. And he says, this is the line it's supposed to be. Where I come from, there are men who do good deeds. They're philo, 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 good deed doer, good deed doer. Oh my God, I can't say it. Good deed doers. Um, so this particular night, he got a little confused and he goes, where I come from, there are men that do big duties. They do big, big, big duties. No, no, I can't take it. They're big duty doers. They were businessmen. <laughs> okay. So Mickey Rooney is a scream to be on tour with, it sounds like. Um, and was Eartha Kit fun for you to work with as well? Eartha was amazing. Did she, you see her in the wild party? Because it's like the greatest performance ever. Can you believe that I did not? All right. I'll get you a bootleg. <gasps> I would love that. Right, I'll work on it. Okay. Thank you. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um. Yeah, Eartha actually became a very dear friend of not just mine, but also my family's. And um, we would go out to visit her in Connecticut often. And she um, came out to Columbus a few times to visit us. And she just, or I guess I was already living in New York at that point. So like, we would go out to dinner together. We would go to theater together. Um, she just was truly somebody who took me under her wing and um, just really made a huge impact on me. In fact, I was um, cast in a show in Las Vegas my senior year of high school, and I was talking to her about it. I'm like, it's not a very big role. You know, I'd be giving up my senior year of high school to go do this. And she says, darling, it isn't the size of the role. It's what you do with it. Did you do it? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, it was Notre Dame de Paris, which was a musical adaptation of Hunchback of Notre Dame that was the French adaptation. So this was the U S English language premiere before they did it in London. And, um, it was at the newly built Paris hotel and casino and the stage and everything was built just for this show. So, um, so I did go do it. It was a really interesting senior year of high school. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like there's any way to come back after, cause you did the Madison Square Garden. You toured for what a year, did another Madison yeah. Square Garden. Was that the end of the journey for you? Uh, you two more Madison Square Gardens. Uh, two more. Wow. Yeah. So we did three, three total Madison Square Gardens. So 97, 98 and 99. Wow. Oh mm -hmm. my God. So how hard was it to walk away from that experience? I mean, you have done Wizard of Oz thousands of times. I mean, because you're hitting 12 shows a week mostly. But yeah, um, yeah I'm sure that was a really hard thing to kind of leave behind. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, so by the time we were on the road, I think it was down to 10 shows a week. Okay. Fair it's enough. Break. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you um, want with that extra 30 minutes. Go ahead. That's right. And it was nice because we had – pretty good sit downs. Like we were in places, it, it, we didn't have a lot of one weekers. It was, you know, five weeks here, four weeks there. Um, but was it like, I don't know, the tour ended, I was going to leave to go do my senior year at home anyway. And we were doing the next search for the next Dorothy. And then they decided 
I don't know for one reason or another that it it just wasn't going to go on anymore. Probably because I was leaving. Like let's. They were like, we couldn't possibly without her. <laughs> was there what? a thought of like, well, we've done this so much. Why would we stay and keep doing this when we can go home and go back to school? Because it seems like obviously you did it for a long time. You could have left much earlier. Yeah. Well, and by by that time, my my brother was already in college and um you know i think it was just sort of for me i don't know why it was just really important for me to go home and finish my senior year with my friends that i grew up with from the time i was you know in kindergarten but in hindsight i didn't end up doing that anyway so um i guess it wasn't that important i think i just was tired burnt yeah. out probably and I wasn't getting any younger either. <laughs> when you look back at that experience, what what sits with you the most? I mean, obviously doing this iconic role, but what what experience, what moment sort of stands out the most for you? Probably what a family the the group became. You know, I think there was probably because I was a kid, you know, everybody really embraced me, but it was just a really, really special group of people. Um, Judy McCauley, <laughs> who played Glinda, you know, she just was like the mother of the cast. She nurtured everybody. She was so good to everybody. Um, her her husband, Tom Urich, ended up uh, touring with us as well, playing Uncle Henry and understudying the wizard. And um, so, you know, we just, it was very much a family affair. It felt like um, everybody was very inclusive of my mom. And we had all, like a lot of us had been there from the beginning. So it really did feel like a family. Oh, um, so great. Yeah. And so, so cool to have that experience so young and with, and be, and be also so brilliant in it and get to do it for so long. We have so much to talk about. So we're going to take a little tiny break and come back with Jessica Groving. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. We're back with Jessica Grove. We just kind of hit all the Wizard of Oz stuff, but we got to hit some Broadway things because you've had so much success in the business. Um, what was the next Broadway show? Was that Les Mis? Was like the, the official Broadway debut? Yes. So I was planning on going to college. I didn't really want to go to college, but my parents really wanted me to. <laughs> so when I was in Vegas doing Notre Dame de Paris, I ended up actually, like the woman who was going to play Esmeralda dropped out. And so the B cast Esmeralda moved up to the A cast Esmeralda because they were 
Okay. Again, I, one I show a week. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> um, we did two shows a night. <laughs> and like I a normal, only do like a normal high school senior doing two shows a night in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where like full circle with the Eartha thing, they were like, would you like to be the B-cast Esmeralda? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was 17. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. But I did. And um, so obviously, you know, they saw what I was doing with the littler role and they were like, we want you to also do this. Or they were desperate. That's probably the latter. <laughs> but anyway, so I was going to go to NYU, study musical theater. Um, but because I was doing that show, I deferred for a year. And then the show closed in July, so I could have gone anyway, but I had already deferred. Um, so in that year, I moved to New York and was kind of reevaluating and thinking, well, if my parents are going to make me go to college, I should probably go for something that I haven't been doing for the last four years of my life professionally. So um, I'll study voice. So I auditioned and submitted for Manhattan School of Music and Manus School of Music and um, ended up go, uh, accepting Manhattan School of Music. And my voice teacher was there too, as well at the time. And uh, I, then I got Les Mis. <laughs> so I didn't go to Manhattan School of Music. And he was like, Jessica, you can always come back to school. That opportunity might never be there again. Take the Broadway show. So my parents said, well, Maitland said it, so it's okay. <laughs> But yeah. you get to play Anthony and Les Mis, which is every girl and some boy's dreams, um, <laughs> to get to wear that coat and sing that song. Um, was that something that was just like very much in your mental vision board? Yes, for sure. Um, when I, oh, we didn't touch on this. So when I was 12, I did a, a non-equity tour of Oliver. The final day of the Oliver tour, they handed out awards and my award was uh, for endless renditions of on my own. <laughs> oh, God. You must have been everybody's favorite on the bus. Um, I'm sure. Okay. So you get to do Les Mis, which I'm sure was a thrill, right? I mean, yeah. God, so cool. And that original, it's the original Broadway production, correct? Not the, yes. Yes. Any of the yes. Yes. I was one of the last casts of the original Broadway production. Oh my God. It's so cool. Who was in the show then? Um, let's see. We had Ivan Rutherford as Valjean, Jackie Pirro as um, Fontaine. Thank you. Um, Peter Locklear as Marius, of course. Um, Christopher Mark Peterson as Andres. Actually, Ben Davis took over for him while I was there. Ben Davis and I worked together a lot. We ended up doing The Sound of Music together in Nashville. We ended up doing um, this... <laughs> Never mind. I can't even mention it. And little night music. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then your the following Broadway show is uh, you play Miss Dorothy in Millie, which was like the, the biggest joy to watch that show on Broadway. I'm sure that was a, a thrill to be a part of as well. It was really cool. So I was originally in the ensemble and understudied Miss Dorothy. So that was cool because um, I had never been in the dancing ensemble of a show before. Yeah. Because it's not really my forte. Yet, here you are. And yet, there I was. Uh, but I was not in the opening number. I was singing in the booth offstage for that right. one. Um, and then um, when Angie was leaving, 
uh, they offered me the under, I mean, they offered me the, to the replacement. So that was really cool. Cause I got to, you know, make it my own after, after being in the ensemble. Yeah. Do you feel like, was there, did you feel a, a big switch doing Lamez and, and Millie as people seeing you now as an adult, um, in the business? Yeah. You know, I will say like, that was a kind of a difficult adjustment. I think, I mean, I looked younger too than I was. Um, and so I don't know. I just, it was, it wasn't really until Millie where I did feel like, oh, okay, now I am playing adult roles. Because even while I was doing Thoroughly Modern Millie, I played Kim McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie with City Center Encores. So So everyone was still looking at you as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Who was in that Bye Bye Birdie at Encores? Um, Victoria Clark played my mother. Doris Roberts played- um, May Peterson. Yes. Who was Rosie? Uh, um, Karen Ziemba. Oh my God. How fun. Yes. I love that. I and love the about moment. Daniel Jenkins was, um, Albert. Albert. Oh, he's the best. Isn't he the best? Yeah, the best. The nicest was, guy in the business. Oh, so nice. And I, you know, was already obsessed with him because of big. Yep. <laughs> I wore out my big CD in a way that, but it was also like terrible. I was like, is this the worst thing I've ever heard? Or am I obsessed with it? I, I couldn't quite put my, I still can't quite put my finger on it. I went to the, like the kind of cattle call audition for that. Yeah. And only got to dance, dance and quotes <laughs> and got cut right away. Well, it all, it all worked out for you. We have to talk about the boyfriend with uh, Julie Andrews and then we'll talk about these other Broadway shows, but that is a big moment. So you played Polly in at good speed and then the tour of uh, the boyfriend, which had originally starred Julie Andrews and you were playing her part. And now she's directing the show, which is the biggest mind mess that I can imagine for you and her and everyone. So tell me about that experience. Surreal. Like that experience was totally surreal. You know, Julie was a, a idol of mine growing up. You know, I grew up on the sound of music and Mary Poppins and all these things. So, um, just, I just remember my audition just like shaking and almost hyperventilating before going in and then going in and her demeanor just put me at immediate ease. She was like, hello, darling, Jesse. <laughs> She's the only one in the world. I let call me Jesse, by the way. It's totally fine. <laughs> That's right. Um, and yeah, I mean, she, she wanted to keep it very, uh, true to the original and, um, which, you know, was great because it was truly a love letter to the original and it gave us all sort of like an insight of what that production would have been. Right. Um, but like I had long Brown hair, they chopped my hair off, dyed it blonde. Like they turned me into Julie Andrews. Uh, and you know, it was cool. Like I have a picture of Julie and I with our short blonde hair right over there here in my voice studio. And, uh, it's just, you know, whenever I have students back in here again, they'll, they look at it and they're like, oh my God, I always forget you worked with Julie Andrews. <laughs> it's it's so like cool. a really big deal. And also in the way that you did, it's not like you just did a day on a movie with Julie Andrews. You, you know, got to create something that she knows really well. How is she as a director? 
She's great. Like, you know, she um, approaches it more British-like, you yeah. know? There's, like, different styles of directing, and um, everybody had to, you know, write out their backstories and share it, um, that kind of thing that, you know, you don't really have that kind of process usually with um, – American directors. It's like Diane Paul who apparently makes people do that for like seven full days. Oh boy. Oh boy. God bless you if you've ever been in a Diapolis musical. Um how bummed were you that that show never came to Broadway? Was that kind of something I remember there was like rumblings about it. That's funny because I don't think I ever heard those rumblings. Right. Well then I guess you weren't that disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't disappointed. I mean, that would have been super cool. Uh but, you know, I think it, it got kind of mixed reviews throughout the country. Um, I I think it's just a little antiquated, honestly. But it was charming and cute and fun. Um, I think people who came to see it really liked it. You know, I think having Julie attached to it was a big coup. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know if, like, a boyfriend without Julie Andrews attached would, you know – you know, there's this uh, Chocolate Factory production in London I saw last year, which is great. That was supposed to come to Toronto, then come in, but it all got a little sidelined. But it yeah. does feel now that uh, we're like almost like commenting on the style of it in a, in a new way. And it doesn't right. feel as antiquated as I thought it might be oh, now. So there, there is something about it that um, it's like we're winking at how ridiculous this way of living was, um, which I think the show kind of always has. But um, yeah. Great little musical. Your next two Broadway shows are both Sondheim shows, which I'm sure is like the coolest thing ever to get to do uh, Sunday in the Park uh, and then also Little Night Music. What what was your experience with those two shows? Okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, (laughs) When I – when we started music rehearsals for Sunday in the Park, like I wasn't that familiar with Sunday in the Park with George. (laughs) <laughs> kind of embarrassing to say. Well, you were like busy during the, the years where that could have been your obsession. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with Les Mis and Secret Garden. So <laughs> Sunday in the Park with George was not on my radar. Got Into it. the Woods, I knew. Of course. But Sunday in the Park with George was not on my radar. And I just remember like looking around the room. You've got Alex Gemignani and Jessica Malaski and people who are San- Santino Fontana. I always call him Fontino Santana, like as a joke. <laughs> so I almost said that. Um And they're all like, like they knew all of their parts just immediately. And I'm just like looking around the room, like I am so out of place here. (laughs) Like These people are musicians and I'm a fraud. No. You're like, I can tell you some stories about Roseanne. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll just keep them laughing. Um, so yeah, so that was, uh, very intimidating and also British director, right? So, um, a, uh, a style in which I was very uncomfortable working in because a different from with Julie, this was like a lot of theater games and things like that. Like my experience with theater was not that my experience with theater was like, you get up on the stage, you know, your lines. And, like, you just make it happen, right? Um, So, like, stepping forward or stepping backwards and, you know, playing these games, I was like, I'm so lost. And I felt so self-conscious. But ultimately, it was a really amazing experience. And I got to meet Stephen Sondheim and appreciate 
his work. Yeah. Um, and that production was beautiful. Oh too. my God. God. It was so good. Closing night, the, um, uh, that final Sunday, like mm-hmm. the audience was on their feet before the show was before the curtain. We didn't have a curtain, but before the lights even came down, they were like forever. And they're like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like a real love for that uh, musical and all of his work. Um, Little night music brought you back to Broadway with Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch yeah. in the second year. Uh, I I know personally some great stories about that, but what was your experience working with those two legends in that oh show? My gosh. Um, first of all, can I just like comment on Bernadette Peters' beautiful skin and perky boobs? Yes, I think she'd be happy for you. I'm sure she's listening. So um, <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. Um, I just like she is a goddess. <laughs> That's all. That's all. I remember being backstage going, I think my gums are receding because I think I'm brushing too hard with my electronic toothbrush. (laughs) And she's like, darling, you're not supposed to like, she's like, just chill out. (laughs) Don't chill chill out, but I don't even know what she said, but she's like, they look okay to me. <laughs> um, and Elaine Stritch was, I'm sure, at gas and had no idea what was going on. But man, was that fun to watch. So I learned from my predecessor, Sarah Jean Ford, that um, if you uh, give it back to her, she'll respect you. Okay. So How did that go? Um, good. Great. Yeah. She called me Cookie Girl. I don't think she knew my name ever because okay. I offered her a cookie in the second act. And we had like a moment where she like turned her nose and it was supposed to be comedic and didn't work the first few times. So I got lots of little handwritten notes from her. If you wait a little bit longer, blah, 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 blah. So that was good. I got a comedy. Yeah. My favorite note was cookie girl. Great job tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now you've been like in this business, like essentially pretty much most of your life and you've worked pretty much nonstop. I'm sure you had little breaks here and you've done a ton of regional jobs. I saw you in the little mermaid at paper mill. Like (laughs) you, you've done so many things, but your life has like made a little bit of a change. You're a mommy of two and, uh, you are in Dexter, Michigan or somewhere. Yes. Great. Michigan, right outside of Ann Arbor. And your husband is running a theater there. Um, I'm sure this year has been a nightmare for him and you and all that, but, um, it's beautiful theater. The website's gorgeous. Um, and you're running a lot of the educational programs. How has the shift of your life been and do you love it? And what do you miss about I don't know. Tell me what's going on. So I feel like, so, um, when we left New York, my, our son was four and our four and a half and our daughter was like three months old. And we actually went to Chicago because, um, we went to Chicago because my husband was, um, heading the musical theater program at Roosevelt university there. And it was, um, great, but, uh, we liked Chicago a lot. Um, and I was auditioning a bit and it was cool. Um, but I wasn't like, my heart really wasn't into performing. I just like wanted to be a mom (laughs) at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we, uh, decided three years in to being in Chicago, like we need to make a move. 
Like he was stressed out. I was sort of lonely. <laughs> so we were like, let's move to Michigan. Let's move to Michigan. Let's sell this place. We'll buy a house. We'll have a yard. We have a community there already. And our theater at the time was just in this garage for the last 12 years. And um, the theater company owns the building. It's called the Encore Musical Theater Company. So the theater owned the building. And the idea was we're going to make this thing grow. Either we're going to add on to this building because we need the space or we're going to move buildings. While the original school in town, the Copeland building, was up for sale. And so we've been raising money. We bought the building and then COVID hit. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was, we were a week into rehearsals for Guys and Dolls. I was going to play Miss Adelaide, which I was super excited about. The one thing about having this theater and my husband running it is I get to play the roles that I really want to play that nobody else would ever cast me That's in. Like every artistic director's wife. Um, yes. <laughs> and so what? I don't care what people say about it. But also you're amazing. So it's fine. Well, thank you. So I got to play a witch and in into the woods here. I got to play Eliza and my fair lady. If you need a director, I'll be there tomorrow, but not tomorrow because we're, it's not now. <laughs> you'll have to dig your way. You'll have to dig your way here. We're having a snowstorm today in New York, friends, if you're listening. A pandemic snowstorm. pandemic snowstorm, just what we needed. Are you just loving, I mean, I know this has probably been really hard, but the excitement of what's to come with this theater sounds like it's it's pretty exceptional. It's so cool. I mean, it's been frustrating, obviously, to not be able to produce theater at the moment, um, but it's it's so cool. Like, we have this building now. We sold the other building. Um our current space is like gutted and the, just being able to see the potential and the possibilities is so exciting. Um, and, you know, Dan and I have been working together trying to figure out programming for the next year and a half. Um, we're going to have like all these cool like concert series and as well as our musicals and then sort of like an encores Mufti sort of uh, series of like lesser known musicals that can just run for a couple nights, you know? Oh, it's so awesome. And you teach voice. I'm, I'm assuming I know from <laughs> to lots of kids. What is your, uh, as an adult who now is looking back at your experience working with young people, what kind of things you try to impart on them as they're kind of starting this journey that you know so well? My biggest thing, my biggest advice to them, and it's something I wish that I would have embraced earlier on in my career. I'm doing it now, but <laughs> not in New York, um, is really being true to who you are and finding out what makes you unique um, because that's what makes a star. It's not trying to be what you think they want, right? And for me, that was – I was always just trying to get it right. And I feel like that was probably my biggest hangup. I wasn't having enough fun with it. Are you no. having fun now? I am. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I am. Like, yes. Like getting to just be ridiculous. And, you know, I think part of the trap for me was being the ingenue. But yeah. I've seen people like my friend Sarah Ford who can take an ingenue role and like make it super interesting, right? And so it's frustrating to me that I didn't have like the confidence or or know enough of who I was to bring my quirks to it because I am kind of weird and quirky and um but I I was just trying to be 
pretty and right. <laughs> well, you were pretty and you were right and you were great. And, you know, I, I'm such a big fan. We have to do obsessed and quick fire questions. So ah. what are you obsessed with right now? <sighs> okay. I have two obsessions. Um, I love the podcast Crime Junkie. Ooh, okay. Oh, I'll check it out. Crime. I love true a true, crime. I'm a true crime person. I got you. Like when I, when it first came out, I, I couldn't stop listening and I just like, and I, and I was like, I can't sleep. I don't know why I can't sleep. It's because I was listening to this. <laughs> There's a new JonBenet murder doc on <gasps> ID. You got to check it out. It's, it's so good. I will definitely check okay, it out. What's your okay. other obsession? My other obsession is like fixer upper, anything, um, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Got you. I just like, I look at my house, I look at my bathroom, I'm like, how can I fix this? Fix her upper. Uh, my obsession this week, and it was an obsession a few podcasts ago, is Search Party on HBO Max. They're in their final and fourth season. It's so, so brilliant. It's the greatest, funniest dark comedy ever. Jessica, oh. you should watch Search Party. It's four seasons, they're all streaming. Uh, it's hilarious. And it's awesome. also like a mystery, and it's funny, and it's half hour. It checks a lot of boxes. Oh, I love that. All right, here we go. Probably nice. workshop quick fire questions. Okay. What is your middle name? Grace. Perfect. First audition song. Oh, well, I mean, it probably was. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my first audition song was, but I will tell you, my most used audition song was "How Are Things in Glockamora." Oh, oh. <laughs> so much so that Jim Carnahan was like, "We're not going to hear How Are Things in Glockamora again today, are we, Jessica?" Smoking a cigarette, <laughs> eating Doritos. Um, your favorite holiday? <laughs> um, Thanksgiving, not because of the problematic but beginning, it, but because it's a, a like a family reunion for us. We play kickball. We have a fish fry. Aww. Decorate Christmas cookies. It's so fun. How many times do you think you have sung somewhere over the rainbow? Oh, four million seven hundred and sixty-two thousand. First, and one. first Broadway show you ever saw? I think it was Lemez. Awesome. If you can go back in time and do one performance of anything in your career, what would it be? Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's a good question, right? It is a good question. <sighs> Quick fire. I have these, I have, I'm sorry. I have these nightmares about doing Wizard of Oz like now and not remembering anything. So maybe it'd have to be that just so that I could go, I did it. What do you want on your bagel? Oh, everything. I want an everything bagel toasted with uh, vegetable cream cheese, lettuce, tomato, capers, locks. Lemon pepper. Everything on the everything. everything. Um, I think I know your answer to this. Who is your favorite Wicked Witch of the West? It'd have to be Eartha. Okay. Strangest fan interaction. Oh, it's too long of a story. Okay. You'll, <laughs> you'll tell me offline. Um, Go-to album for a car trip. Oh, probably um, Jason Mraz, Sarah Bareilles, anything like that. One thing you always have in your dressing room. Oh. Grether's Pastilles. Great. One show you'll never get over not booking. This one hit me really hard when I didn't get it, but I'm glad I didn't get it now. But it was Dr. Zhivago. Oh, oof. You dodged that bullet, sister. I sure did. But I was like devastated. Have you ever called out mid-show? Called out? Oh, called yeah. out. Like, are you like, bye? 
I was like, called out what? <laughs> Have I ever called out mid-show? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Wizard of Oz, I rolled my ankle and had to go off mid-show. How many times have you auditioned for Wicked? Wait, sorry. Have I auditioned for Wicked? Yeah. Or how many times have you auditioned for Glinda? (laughs) Never auditioned for Glinda. This is a Um, shock to me. Yeah. I auditioned for Nessa Rose originally. Well, you'd be a great Glinda. Um, Worst audition you can remember? Um, okay. I had already played this part for the same director and it was Lori in Oklahoma. And then I auditioned for it again for the same director several years later. And I was like, I've already done this. I don't need to prepare. And it was horrible. Great. (laughs) I didn't get it. Do either of your kids have the theater bug? They both have the theater Uh, bug. Oh, Mm -hmm. um, okay. What munchkin should Patty Lapone play in the Wizard of Oz? Oh, the coroner, obviously. <laughs> Can you name two Real Housewives? No. All right. First celebrity crush? Oh, Patrick Swayze. Are you familiar with the murder or the murderer, Jessica Groves? No. When you Google Jessica Grove, you get a lot about the murderer, Jessica Groves. Oh, I'll have to. Email uh, she like killed her kid. It's very upsetting. Um, <laughs> if, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Um, oh God, I don't know. Chess. <laughs> um, who makes you starstruck? When I met Judy Kuhn for the first time, I was a teenager and I started bawling. Oh God, <laughs> so I, I'd have to say it was Judy Kuhn. I feel you so clearly. All right. Have you ever seen a ghost? I don't think so. Okay. What show would get you to move back to New York for? Oh. What role? It had to be like originating something cool. Do you do any impressions? Mm, I think I did a few today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. What movie can you watch over and over? Uh, Oh my God. When I was a kid, it was Dirty Dancing and um, uh, Annie and uh, Beetlejuice. But now that I'm an adult, I don't have time. But because I have my kids. But the, the movies that I've heard over and over and over again in my house are Frozen, Frozen 2, uh, Brave. <laughs> Got it. Um, and uh, when was the last time you watched The Wizard of Oz? It's been years, honestly. I want my kids to watch it. So I feel like I need to um, pull it up. Pull it up. It's time. And then they need yeah. to watch it on the Rosie O'Donnell show because it's a really good clip. You're amazing. Um, my, Jessica, my daughter Lolly yeah. thinks that I'm like, I've been every princess. She's like, wait, but mommy, were you ever <laughs> Merida? And I'm like, no, I was never Merida. Were you ever Moana? No, I was never. <laughs> Just Belle and Ariel. Okay. Oh my Jill. God. Um, <laughs> Jessica, tell the people where they can follow you and find out what you're up to or schedule a voice lesson or any of that. Okay. Well, I am on Instagram as Jessica Grove, G-R-O-V-A-Y. Um, <laughs> My website is www.jessicagrove.com because there's no accent on it. And um, let's see, you know, I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the, I'm not, I think I have a Twitter account. 
but I don't know. Don't worry about Twitter. Um, (laughs) What, what a joy you are. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Um, Your story is so amazing. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see what's next for your theater and uh, all of that. You're, you're such a dream. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. I loved this. Oh, good. And if you're having fun listening to Little Me Podcast, make sure you rate and subscribe and write a very long review and all of the things. And I will see you next week with an all new episode. Bye, Jessica. Bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me Podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.